The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we posted the first half of a marvelous message by Elder Lonnie Mazingo, Jr. on the subject of great expectations. Today, we post the second half of that sermon, wherein Brother Lonnie gives us great hope and encouragement about the future. You see, the end for a Christian is the best end possible. It ends with the Lord Jesus Christ coming back to take us home. Brother Lonnie lays out for us so well what the great expectations of the Bible are. And it's these great expectations that sustain us in this sin-cursed world. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
You think Jesus Christ, St. Pip's expectations were disappointed, but not the expectations of Jesus. You think Jesus' expectations are going to be disappointed? No, everything he expects is going to happen. I'm going to give you a verse of scripture that will save you from every false prophet and false teaching against the end times that you'll ever need. Are you ready for it? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul gets carried away talking about the resurrection. And he says, as an Adam all die, even so Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. And afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. At his coming. He's talking about the second coming of Christ, right? At his coming. Then cometh the end. Did he say when Christ comes then starts the millennial reign? He says then cometh the end. Then he says this. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. That's the resurrection. When he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. That's the great put down of the universe. Whenever Jesus Christ puts down every enemy that he has and they become his footstool. I'm telling you, one by one, God's enemies are going to be made the footstool of the Lord Jesus Christ. This says right here, listen to it now. He says, afterward, they that are at Christ, it is coming. There are three things that are happening simultaneously. His coming, then cometh the end. When? When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. That's the resurrection. When he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. Do you understand that when Jesus Christ comes back, that's the end? And the end is what? It's a great expectation for God's elect, but it is a terrible judgment for the non-elect. Because he says he's going to put down the wicked. Down, how far down? Into the lake of fire to burn forever. But he's going to deliver up the kingdom the church kingdom, the elect kingdom of God. He's going to deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father. People out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people on the face of the earth. Just remember this. This is the great when-then doctrine. And if you'll remember the when-then doctrine, it'll save you from false doctrine about eschatology. <clears throat> For he says he's coming. Afterward, they that are Christ win. At his coming. At his coming. At his coming. Then... Come at the end. When's the end coming? When he comes. When he comes, then come at the end. When? When what? When he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. When's the resurrection of the righteous, of God's elect coming? At, when he comes back at the end. When is the judgment of the wicked going to take place? When he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. When he comes back at the end of time. Uh, listen. <laughs> That's something to look forward to, isn't it? I'd call that a great expectation, wouldn't you? I'm telling you, that's what your hope is tonight. Paul said in hope, that's what expectation is. Remember Paul over here in the Philippian letter, a church that he loved dearly. He said, some preach Christ of envy, some of strife. Supposedly to add afflictions to my bonds. Can you imagine that? Somebody preaching out of envy and strife. In other words, a preacher preaching with a bad motive. You say, why would God bless a preacher to preach if he had a bad attitude, a bad motive? Because God's not going to let you suffer not getting a good gospel meal just because his, the man serving it's got a bad attitude. God could take him and in the dark whoop up on him when you're not looking. 
But Paul said, there are some preachers of Christ of envy, some of strife. He said, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. He said, there are some people out there that are preaching, thinking, boy, whenever Paul hears about me, Paul's in prison. Whenever he hears about me out here free, preaching the gospel, he's just going to grind his teeth in jealousy. Paul says, what then? Notwithstanding, whether in pretense or in truth. He said, some preach. He said, some preaching. He said, some are some are preaching faithfully. I can't remember the exact word. But he says some preach of goodwill. Knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. He said there are some men that are, have goodwill. They've got a good motive. They know that they're, they're, they're emboldened by my bonds. They, they, they see me in prison. They say well if Paul's going to suffer prison. I'm going to go out there and preach. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm, they're encouraged. They're emboldened by the sufferings of the apostle Paul. So Paul says no, what, what, what then? Whether pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and I rejoice. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that glorious? And every true God called man, is, it doesn't matter who's doing the preaching, it's just as long as Christ is being preached. You see that? That's all that matters to a true God called minister. It's not who's doing the preaching, but that Christ is being preached. And Paul said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Let me read it to you. If I can find it real quickly. Paul says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. That word ashamed means put to flight or made to run away. But that with all boldness and all, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, all I care about, are you listening? He said, all I care about in this Babylonian world in which I'm living is that Christ is magnified in my life. Whether by life or by death, whether I preach the gospel or somebody else is preaching it, all I care about is the glory magnifying Christ to people who are heart, who have trouble seeing well you know that's what i got a magnifying glass on my desk it's got a light on it i can see anything if i got enough light i can't see a thing in the dark and i've got a magnifying glass that's got a light on it some of you brother know what i'm talking about i can light i can light up this ipad right here that i got on the pulpit and i can read it all night long but you <laughs> turn that light off and i can't i couldn't see it to save my soul you know what that light does, it illuminates, it magnifies. You know what that magnifying does with that light? It, it, it manifests and magnifies what's already there. You know, I'm not at, Paul wasn't adding to Christ or taken away from Christ by not magnifying him, but by magnifying him, he's simply making it easier for people that are hard to see to see him. And that's what, you, that's what your life is all about, it's magnifying Christ. Now stick with me now, here's a good part. Paul says over there in Romans chapter 5, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of what? Hope is expectation, remember. Paul said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. What is hope? Hope is expectation. What's Paul expecting? Paul says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also... We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of 
people thinking more of me when I get through than whenever I started. In hope of people thinking I'm the greatest, I'm the best. In hope of me getting richer, in hope of me getting more prosperous. No, Paul said in hope of the glory of God. See, if your goal is God getting the glory, I'm happy to tell you that neither you can glory in tribulation. Knowing the tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed. You see, if your goal is the glory of God, it doesn't matter what happens to you just as long as Christ is magnified. Now, Paul says, uh, Jeremiah says, this is what you need to carry with you in Babylon, the expectation of the end. When the end comes, Babylon's going to fall and you're, and you're going to be returned to this place in Jerusalem and you're going to restore and rebuild the temple. And I'm telling you, child of God, that when Jesus Christ comes again, mystery of Babylon's going to fall. And the kingdom of God is going to be carried to Jerusalem and it's not going to be Jerusalem in the Middle East. Thank God. It's going to be Jerusalem which is above, which is free, which is the mother of us all. He's coming to carry us home to live with him in glory. That's what you've got to expect. That's your expected end. God Almighty is not going to leave you in Babylon. That's the message. You're not going to be left in Babylon, mystery of Babylon. You're going to be delivered. Because when the Lord comes back, when he comes to visit, and see, when he comes, it's a visitation. He's not coming to live with us. He's coming to visit. And he's coming to visit just long enough to gather up his elect from the four winds of the earth and to send the wicked to eternal torment and then carry us all home to live with him in glory and forever. That's what we expect to come to the end. And that expectation will carry you through the trials and tribulations of this life. Now in the few seconds that I've got left, we've talked about the expectation of Jesus Christ that will be realized when he comes again and puts down the wicked. We talked about the expectation of the Christian in his daily life, in warfare, he can expect the victory if his goal is the glory of God. But did you know that the devil has expectations? That's right. You remember whenever those, when Jesus came to the coast of the Gadarenes? That wild Gadarene came out of the, among the tombs and, and he was so wild that they tried to chain him and he, he couldn't, they couldn't chain him. He broke those chains. There are people that, because they're high on crack, they're high on meth, they've got such an adrenaline rush, they can break chains. This man is a perfect description of somebody that's stoned on methamphetamine. <clears throat> a perfect description of him. And this man is so wild and everybody's so scared of him that nobody has anything to do with him. But when Jesus meets up with him, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the devil's in this man say what have we to do with thee Jesus of Nazareth thou son of God hast thou come to torment us before the time do you know what the, the Solomon said in the Proverbs that the desire of the righteous is good but the expectation of the wicked is what wrath I want you to listen very carefully to me the devils know they're going to hell See, you may have a college professor or some politician get on TV and say, well, there is no God. You don't have to worry about these preachers and their preaching judgment and all this. There is no God. As uh, I love to hear Brother Michael going through an impression of Carl Sagan, you know, the universe is all that ever is, all of that is, ever was, or ever will be. I love to hear him do that impression, you know, on Grace Alone Radio. 
<laughs> he can do a great impression of Carl Sagan. You know, the idea that materialism, in other words, the idea that there's nothing but just this material world. That, that's, what some, that's what the wicked want you to believe. That's what they want to believe. Because if there's, if there's nothing but matter, then there's no God to answer to. There's no God that will judge their wickedness. There's no God to tell them they can't live the way they want to. And that's why the wicked hate the teachings of God's word. It's not because they're too intelligent to believe in God. It's because they don't like the God that he is. All right. But I want to tell you something. They may get up and bombastically declare there is no God, but deep in the night. You listening? When nobody's around except just them and their own thoughts. This book tells me, thou believest there is one God? James, you know, James says, you believe there's one God? Thou doest well. That's a good thing to believe in when there's one God, because there is only one God. He said, the devils believe and tremble. The devils believe there's a God to answer to. And I'm going to tell you that no matter how much a man may claim that he doesn't believe in God deep in the night, when nobody's around, he trembles in his soul to know that one day he's going to have to answer to the one that created this universe. Only a fool would believe this is here by accident. Anybody with any sense at all can look at this creation and say, there must be a creator. There is a God, and God Almighty in heaven is going to judge the world in righteousness one day by that man whom he hath appointed, Jesus Christ the Lord. So don't, don't, don't let them kid you. They know the devils believe and tremble. Those devils said, hast thou come to torment us before the time? You know what the book of Revelation tells you about Satan? He has come down having, he says, what are the inhabitants of the earth? For the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Why? Because he knoweth what? That he hath but a short time. He knows the end's coming. The devil's got better sense than your college professor. You understand that? The devil's got sense enough to read Revelation and believe it. He's read the book of Revelation. He knows that mystery Babylon's going to fall. He knows that the beast and the false prophet are going to be cast in the lake of fire. But he also knows he's going to be cast in the lake of fire. He knows. And that's why he's full of wrath against the people of God. Because he can't touch the one that's going to judge him. So what does he do? He makes war with the remnant of her seed. He makes war with the church. The devil's come down because he, you see, the devil expects to go to hell. The devils expect to go to hell and they're going and they deserve to go there. But you know what? So do you and so do me. I, whatever the English word is, so do us. We all deserve to go to hell, don't we? But what's the difference between the wicked that are going to hell and you and me? That's right. You got it. Grace. That's the only difference. The only difference is, is that God decided before the world began to have mercy on you and not them. That's, that's what grace is. The sovereign will of a sovereign God to bark at a people for his son to pay for their sins. You know why you won't be judged at the end of time like the wicked will? Because you were already judged at Calvary in the person of Jesus Christ. And because he died for your sins and paid for them, you are declared just before a holy God. 
So when the Lord comes back, you don't have to be afraid like the wicked are. You don't have to tremble like the devils do. You can expect something. His thoughts toward you are what? A peace and not of evil. His thoughts toward you are a peace and not of judgment. When Jesus walked up Calvary's mountain, he knew his thoughts toward you. When he walked up Calvary's mountain carrying that cross, his thoughts toward you were what? Peace. And that's why when he comes again, you'll have peace forevermore. You see, Jesus said, if I go away, I'll come again. That's your expected end. I don't know what's going to happen between now and the end. I know some preachers that think they know what's going to happen between now and the end. I know some things that are going to happen. I got a sense enough to listen to Elder Crawford and Elder, Elder Goins and some and different ones that, that, are, that understand eschatology far better than I'll ever hope to. I know that there are th certain things that are going to happen that we all know are taught in the Word of God, but I don't know everything that's going to happen between now and the end. I don't know if there's going to be a reformation in our culture or if it's going to get evil men and seducers are going to... I know one thing, evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. I do know that because that's what the Bible says. Well, what am I supposed to do? Continue in the things that I've heard and learned. Among You know, continue in the things that I've been taught in God's Word in the church. I'm going to close with this. You've been so patient. I know you're probably like me. You've had a long day. This is the end of a long day, so I'm going to not take advantage of your uh, strength of mind any longer. I know you're probably weary in mind as well as body. So I'm going to close with this. <laughs> I want you to know that what the Lord was telling the children of Israel and babbling through Jeremiah was is that every day you wake up and you look around at the wicked, evil culture you're living in, don't let these false prophets tell you, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because they had to go through some trials over there in Babylon. You remember whenever Haman codified a law to put to death every Jew that was alive. And if it wasn't for the providential hand of God through Esther, every Jew in, that, in Babylon would have died. But God and his providence spared them. I'm not telling you there aren't difficult days ahead. I don't know what, the, what is ahead for the church. I don't know if it's going to be a revival or a reformation or if it's going to be persecution like you've never seen before. But I know one thing, it's not going to be like it used to be. So the Lord wasn't telling them, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine down there in Babylon. That's what the false prophets taught them. The Lord says, my thoughts toward you. He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. It's the end that we're to expect. When does the deliverance come? At the end. When does salvation come for God's church and his people? The end. Then come at the end. When he shall deliver up the kingdom to God. That's what we're to look forward to. When this mystery Babylonian captivity ends for God's people. And they're delivered to the heavenly Jerusalem. To their worship in the eternal temple of God forever and forever. At the altar of God to give sacrifice and praise to the one who sent his son to die for them at Calvary. And you know why you're going to be there? Grace. Because the Lord poured out his wrath. That's waiting for the wicked at the end of time. 
that wrath that God has toward the wicked. I mean, listen, 68 million unborn children slaughtered in this country is not going to go unpunished. I'm, I'm, I'm t anybody that thinks that's just going to, the Lord's going to sweep that under the rug, no way. No way. I'm thankful the state I live in, the last abortion clinic closed its doors a few weeks ago. Praise God for that. But I can show you that for every community where the, they have put down wickedness, I can show you a bunch of other communities that say, come over here. We'll pay your way to get here. Come kill your baby over here. We'll pay your way. <clears throat> the Lord's not going to blink at that. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, child of God, tonight, your salvation is at the end when the Lord comes back. And you know why? Because the wrath of God that's poured out upon the wicked that you and I deserve. You know, you and I deserve the same wrath that the wicked will suffer. But we won't suffer because of God's grace, his sovereign grace alone. His sovereign grace alone. That's the only difference. God chose you for his son to die for, and he didn't choose them. You say, well, that sounds arbitrary and capricious. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. It's not arbitrary. It's based on the eternal counsel of an all-wise, holy God. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not good. God Almighty in His sovereign mercy marked out a people before the foundation of the world out of very kindred tongue, people, and nation. And by His grace gave them to His Son to save. And I'm happy to tell you as a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as unworthy of that title as I am. I'm happy to tell you that He saved them from their sins when he died at Calvary. You know why? Because the wrath that the elect deserved was borne by their Savior when he died on the cross. There's a song, this is what I'm closing with, there's a song that I love dearly. I can barely think about this song without weeping. I listen to it periodically. Sometimes I have to stop listening because I have to wipe the tears from my eyes. I don't know the official title at this moment, but the song goes this way, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, How Vast Beyond All Measure, That He Would Send His Only Son to Make a Wretch His Treasure. That, that's, that, that song... You get toward the end of that song, you just cannot hardly stand it if you've got any heart in you at all. There's a verse in that song that goes this way. How deep the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which marred the chosen one bring many sons to glory. That verse was thought about whenever Jesus died and he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the songwriter says, How deep the pain of searing loss. You ever thought about the pain that God the Father suffered as he watched his son at Calvary suffer? He said, Why would he watch that? Why would he not rescue his son? The answer is simple. Grace. 
love. Love for you. And I do hope me. And that verse says, how deep the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away. And I've listened to that song many a time and sung along with it. And I've heard that song and wept many a tear. But it occurred to me one day there's a flaw in that song. As precious as it is to me. Because that song says, how deep the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away. Do you know the Lord didn't turn his face away? That's the miracle of God's love and grace. He didn't turn his face away. The Bible clearly tells you he didn't. Because the Bible says he saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. He watched it happen. He didn't turn his face away. He saw the travail of his soul. He looked at it. He watched it. And what happened? His wrath was satisfied. He saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. That's how much God's love is for you. Not that he turned his face away from his son's sufferings, but that he watched his son's sufferings for you. And I do hope me. You think about that for a minute. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. There is no way. Like the, like, like, like the, like the man who was found in the insane asylum, dead, one morning, and, and scrawled on the wall were the beautiful words that we love to sing so dearly about if we with ink the ocean fill and every man on earth was a scribe and every stalk on earth a quill to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole they'll stretch from sky to sky. There's no way to describe the love of God, the vast, deep love of God. But I can tell you about it, and I can tell you that the father saw the travail of his son's soul, and he said, I'm satisfied. My wrath is satisfied. And that's why you should never let any false prophet or any devil in hell scare you about the second coming of Christ. That's why you should look forward with it with great expectation tonight. Because when the end comes, you're going to be delivered up. To heaven and immortal glory. To praise and worship and adore the one who died for you forever and forever. Great expectations of the people of God. Because God said, my thoughts toward you were of peace and not of evil. To give you. You know, he didn't, make that, he didn't, he didn't send that letter to the Babylonians. Did he? He sent it to the Israelites in Babylon. And God's word is not to the wicked of this world. It's to God's children in this wicked world. And he said, my thoughts toward you are of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. May God bless us all to live in hope of the second coming of our Savior. May we ever let that be our guiding light. To ever remember the words of our Lord who said, if I go away, I'll come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. May God bless you is my prayer. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. 
If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.